Okay, connected to the concept of poverty and wealth and this wealth gap, we're going, we going to talk now to the head of investor relationships at PMG. He has a passion for financial literacy and making commercial, commercial property investing more accessible for everyday Kiwis. Please welcome to the stage, Matt McCarty. So we have, we've got 20 minutes to yes. solve the solve whole, the issue. Yeah, to solve poverty and, uh, and the wealth gap. Mm. Where do we start? Uh, I, was, I was just thinking, I'll be listening for the last uh, 40 minutes and thinking, what a couple of reality punches to the head uh, mm. with those previous speakers. So firstly, listen to Greg, and I'm trying to weigh up my, my ratio between exercise and drinking. I'm partial to a few jars and more than, uh, more than mm. enough red wine. So, and uh, the other side of the coin, I ran the Hawks Bay half on the weekend. I'm thinking, I don't know where I sit, but I crossed the finish line and went straight for a beer. Uh, so <laughs> that's, I'm thinking, that's balanced. <laughs> that's, 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 that's balanced. Right. I just think I might be unbalanced. <laughs> yeah, so, and then the, the last point there, I mean, um, you know, hold your breath while, and this is what I'm passionate about, hold mm. your breath while you count your money. Yeah. The issue I see uh, is it's not going to take that long to count your money for future generations. You hold your breath for a pretty short time because unless we start to, to face into some of the issues we see, uh, they won't have any money to count. Um, and that's, that's what I'm passionate about. Obviously, my life has kind of been shaped by 80s TV and film. And, you know, the, I'm still holding on to this kind of perception of fund managers and this Wall Street thing. You know, greed is, greed is good. <laughs> the Gordon Gecko. And I think, but you're talking like you're not talking like that. You're talking about how to even things out and how to make investing accessible for, for everyone, really. Can you talk a little bit more about what drives that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, look, I suppose uh, yeah, PMG uh, is one example of a, of a business that is creating great product, uh, making or breaking down barriers to entry for what is a very difficult asset class to, to mm. enter. Um, commercial real estate, uh, I'm sure it's widely accepted and known that uh, it's one of the best asset classes to create and store wealth long term. The issue is, you know, uh, for anything of quality in New Zealand, you need a checkbook with uh, many, many zeros um, behind it in order to buy something of quality. So, you know, what we do at PMG is break that down, really lower the barriers, um, really lower the barriers, so that people can get access. But we're one example of that. Um, you know, even traditional fund managers, the Milfords, the Pie Funds, and uh, listed companies are naturally breaking down barriers to entry. Um, so, I think from a from a product perspective. We're actually doing a really good job now, and we are aware of some of these um, these these issues uh, that uh, you know everyday New Zealanders and global you know the global population is facing into. Uh, the gap that's missing is um, education. Mm. The issue we we still seem to face is you know I suppose uh, the the media at large like to like to beat up um, you know. We're not all that bad. You know, well, well, you guys are different, <laughs> M2 of course, but um, your traditional media channels uh, like to beat up success. New Zealand has a problem with tall poppy syndrome, so mm. uh, yeah, we should be celebrating uh, people that are that are doing things more creatively. Um, and I do think that perception is, is historic. I think it's changing. I think a lot of people are doing great things. And the difference is, or the gap there is, we need to educate these younger generations in a way to um, bring them along for the journey. Uh, there's like three things you said there that I want to <laughs> continue on. But uh, we'll go back to um, even the change in technology. Like you mm. have apps now that you can go on and participate in some pretty heavy stuff as mm. a retail investor. And even like Wall Street bets, you know, really give the hedge fund managers a, a run for their money. Um, yeah. But is there, 
is there, do we need to account for like awareness of psychology as well? Because that is still trading. There's an element of gambling in that, but do we need to look at long-term kind of insights and strategy? Uh, yeah, we do. I think, um, you know, if you look at, say, the, the platforms that are available to retail investors now, so you've got the Sharesies, um, the Invest Now, which breaks down barriers to entry for the funds management sector. Um, you know, traditionally, someone like Milford or Pi Funds or even PMG might have minimums of 20 grand mm. through Invest Now. You can get in for much less than that. Um, Hatch, Robin Hood, Stake, uh, all of these great platforms. But uh, they are creative. I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with Robin Hood, but when you sign up, it almost has, uh, you know, scratched this icon uh, and you get a free stock. Uh, so it's almost trying to scratch this gambling itch. Mm. So they are, to a degree, probably setting up more of a, a trading mentality or that gambling mentality. Um, now, I, my personal view is that they are, you know, they're breaking down barriers for entry. You know, that's great. Um, so long as there's an education component on the other side. Um, so a lot of the New Zealand ones do that pretty well. Sharesies have the lunch money series. They have a lot of yeah. you know, uh, you know, uh, different ways that they interact and educate. Uh, but it's probably just taking it to that next, that next level. There's something interesting that is, uh, and I hate to break this to you, but mm. maybe long-term passive investing in commercial property is not that sexy. Like if you're, oh, it's not. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. But how do you how do you counter that? Because that is really the way. Like if you have a balance, okay, so you can do a little bit of a little bit of trading or gambling on the side yep. with with cool apps. But really, the pathway to wealth is long-term, isn't it? Yeah, you've, we've got, we've got to change from this. Um, and you know, the whole GameStop debacle and you know, cryptocurrency where mm. people are making Don't thousands. Or, yeah, you probably would get more Bitcoin today if you, than what your, your numbers might suggest because there's been about a 30% slide in the last two or three days. Oh, so wow. uh, it could be a good time <laughs> to buy, actually. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th I think yeah, we, we, we're, we're along that path um, in, terms of, in terms of educating. Um, we've just got a few more steps to go. Well, having just said that you weren't in a very sexy industry, I mean, you've just raised $70 million for mm. one of your funds, so mm. there are people there that are really into what Oh, you know, the over 65s think it's incredibly sexy when you're delivering a regular reliable income in an interest rate environment like the one we're seeing now. So, um, you know, real returns from fixed interest products are well under 0% in New Zealand, and Kiwis are losing billions of dollars every year in terms of purchasing power right now. Um, mm. And you're actually starting to see the shift uh, there is more cash in banks right now than there are there is money on deposit, and what that shows you is that uh, people or investors are very much aware of the fact that um, you know there's a massive opportunity for cost for us rolling over term deposits. Mm. The opportunity cost, if I roll my money over for 90 or 120 or 180 days, is that something else might come up that I really like, and I'm not, I'm not able to access because my money is tied up over here. Mm. Um, and so when you're, you're out there offering you know, returns at 6% um, and it's delivered from a, the commercial real estate sector, which you know, it, does, it can be volatile in terms of value, but the income stream is incredibly reliable over long periods of time, mm. that resonates with investors. So you know, that capital raise was one example, but uh, you know, our peers in the market uh, have been as successful um, and uh, uh, long may it continue, I suppose. It's great um, that uh, people are investing in more productive asset classes. Yeah. Again, there's probably a couple of things in there, but what, what's commercial property been doing? You'd mentioned this volatility. How's it been over the last, because stuff was happening last year? 
Uh, yeah, well, you you got to draw a, a sort of a, a difference between listed property firms and unlisted like PMGs. So um, you tend to see the listed property companies will, um, will largely follow the rest of the market. So market sentiment shifted rapidly through you know, the onset of COVID-19 globally last year, uh, and the listed companies were, you know, obviously, um, prices changed. Mm. But their actual valuation, uh, valuations of their underlying assets probably didn't move at all. Um, people expected them to wind the clock for 12 months, and that hasn't happened. In fact, what's happened is that asset classes, uh, you know, uh, around the globe have, have pushed up in value. Um, and so that that's I suppose that's a key differential between between the two. Again, I, I've just got to keep hold of the different strands, and I do want to come back to the tall poppy thing. Mm. Um, but when you, when you mentioned the uh, the productive asset class as well. So commercial property is obviously very important for different industries. Mm. Have you seen any shifts there? Because we're talking about a change in like supply, supply chain stuff, you know, even these warehouses mm. where you can get mm. your supermarket shopping delivered from. Are you seeing that kind of shift that connects to the growth of different sectors? Oh, totally. I mean, uh, the example that you could give recently is that we know the supply chain has been disrupted um, and cost of certain goods is starting to go up. Mm. Um, so you're seeing certain industries start to, start to stockpile product here in New Zealand. Where are they storing it? Mm. You know, we are going to have an increasing requirement for warehousing um, on the back of that. So you know, it's important to, to um, think about some of these trends as they, as they play out. Well, okay, so we will go back to talk, but I think I just want to connect that to a bigger psychological thing as well, because we are here to to start to solve the issue mm. of this uh, of this intergenerational wealth gap as well. How connected to that tall poppy sentiment and the psychology is that is that gap? You know, I suppose before the commercial property funds management space, uh, I was uh, I was working in the banking and finance sector, and used to see it all the time where people, particularly older generations, just do not talk about money and wealth. So, you know, psychology of money, I suppose, is just to square it away. We won't tell our, our kids or grandkids how we've created this nest egg. Mm. We're not going to teach them or coach them as to how we should protect this, how they could, you know, how they could develop ways to look after it and, and ensure that it's not only there but has grown for, you know, four, five, six, ten generations of our family. Um, so I think a, there, there is an issue there. Um, I think that's slowly starting to shift. Uh, the surefire way to, to wealth creation for New Zealand for a long, a lo a long time has been investing in residential property. Uh, there has some been some, some real changes in that sector, uh, yeah. which is no longer making that industry as attractive. So naturally, um, the advice used to be from mum and dad, I suppose, go and buy some resi properties, leverage up, buy, leverage and buy, and that used to be the advice. Um, it doesn't hold true anymore for a number of reasons, and that is forcing these younger generations to look to educate themselves. Uh, they might be doing it wrong in terms of trading rather than investing, mm. um, but they, they, are, they are trying to get themselves ahead in different ways. The great thing between you know, the older generations is now is that technology has afforded us some of these opportunities mm. through these platforms, through these other, these other um, investment options that we have available to create wealth for ourselves. Going back to the tall poppy thing though, is there, is there still the sentiment uh, that in order to even things out, we need to bring down some of the tall poppies, and you know this kind of this concept that money is a bad, evil thing. 
Yeah, there there possibly is. Probably the question it really is: um, Should there be? Yeah, mm. should 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 we hold that view, or should we be, you know, rising tide lifts all boats? Should we be trying to foster and encourage and learn from these individuals that created wealth for them and their families? And, and what are these guys doing differently to what we might be doing here? And nobody started with a massive, you know, pot of money. There is no elusive pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Mm. Um, yeah, these families and individuals worked hard. Um, and the best ones will transition that education and that wealth through the generations, so it's it's protected. So for you and I, you know, that's where we need to understand how they've managed to do it and and look to do something similar. And that doesn't mean that we're all going to have a you know twenty million dollars in the bank account at retirement. Um, but if we can have something there, which is a lot more than what we might have had if we hadn't taken some of those steps. Um, particularly in an environment where you know some of the ageing um, data that's coming out, you know you've got people living longer. Mm. Uh, there's the largest generation in New Zealand, all the baby boomers, going to retire in the next decade. Imagine the pressure that's going to put on NZ Super. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, it costs the country about fifteen billion dollars. In about four years' time, the numbers are set to exceed twenty billion dollars. Mm. So the largest um, sort of beneficiary support program that we we pay for in New Zealand. So. You know, is it going to be there when the millennials and anyone younger than us uh, starts to look at retirement? Mm. Pretty serious. You better hope you've got at least a house difficult to get into right now. So if you can't get into the residential property market, what do you do? KiwiSaver will not be enough for most people. So we're going to start teaching people just to save regular, save often, commit to, you know, even if it means you don't have the brand new iPhone or or the new car or... Mm. Whatever, yeah. Again, this is this is really hovering a lot around the psychology, but it's that delayed gratification that is that is really important in, mm. in terms of this long-term investing. Well, people, it's so far in the future, right, that you fail to grasp the impact that it might have. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'll put it off for a year. Oh, look at it in five years. Before you know it, you're 65, and you go, shit, I've got nothing. Mm. Uh, I don't own my own home. I've got a little bit of money in KiwiSaver, but if interest rates are anything like they are now, that's not going to generate anywhere near enough income for you to live, and there might not be NZ Super. So the previous generations, and people will disagree with me, I'm sure, but they, they're almost the lucky generations. They've managed to create wealth in a number of ways in a, in a reasonably unregulated uh, environment versus what we have now. Yeah. So it, you know, there must be emphasis on those generations to work with you know, the younger ones, your, your beneficiaries, and, and develop a plan collectively around how this is going to endure. Mm. Yeah, well, it, I mean, you're, you're right. The previous generation certainly had other, you know, there were scenarios there that made it, made it easy, but there are still opportunities now, as you're talking about, there's still opportunities to get into, the, into different asset classes. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, 100%. Yeah, we, we are, at the, the, the moment, these younger generations are beneficiary of the technology sector. Um, and as I keep coming back to, it's just there's an educational gap, and that's what we're here so, to do. I mean, PMG recently launched and established a PMG Charitable Trust, um, which is focused solely on educating people in their mid-teens to mid-twenties. Mm. Uh, the reason why we, we did uh, a lot of research ourselves uh, alongside a, an external research partner, and we identified that that's where things go wrong. Uh, people go to university, they come out of university with you know, massive student debt, often they've taken on personal loans, uh, credit cards, because of course the banks just go, here you go, here's some money, um, unsecured and your interest rate's going to be you know, off the charts. And there's no, n no real programs there to educate that particular demographic. So 
Uh, we've got a couple of initiatives that we're supporting financially, um, uh, which are working with that key demographic to hopefully give them some skills where they don't make those decisions. Because the impact of some poor decision making there can mean that later down the track when you finally get your life sorted, you go to the bank to get a loan and your credit rating is shot. Mm. Um, so you know, these are the sort of implications that just seem so far down the track until you're in that seat uh, and then you realise it's almost too late. The charitable side is really interesting as well and you can see that a lot of uh, new entrepreneurs are coming, th coming through, are really connecting the business and the enterprise side of things with social good. Mm. And, you're, and you're talking about that as well, about leveraging capital to be able to make changes. Is that, a, is that a really big driver for you? Do you see that there will be more of that kind of thing happening for you? Yeah, um, and I don't think it's just, a, it's a, again, this stuff's not unique to PMG, right? Yeah. There's a number of different organisations. Kiwis are generally quite good at being charitable. Um, in one way or another, but but for us, um, it's also helping to future-proof our client base. Uh, you know, our client base are predominantly people in their mid-60s up to 80, 85 um, that require income. Um, now, if we can't bring their children and grandchildren along for the journey, mm. you know, where where is our business going to be uh, down the track? So there is that side to it, um, but but equally, yeah, we have we all have a role to play, I suppose, much like uh, we, were, we were hearing before. We have a role to play in our various uh, areas of expertise. Um, ours just happens to be financial literacy and education and breaking down barriers to, to get into what is a, otherwise a very difficult asset class to be in. I just want to go back to uh, the, the kind of the early years of financial education as well. Because um, apart from Knight Rider and Quantum Leap, I mean, we didn't have much. I grew up where we it was yeah. pretty tight. And so, our, you know, our family's perception around money was a really scarce. It was the scarce kind of thing. And so you spend it when you get it. Mm. Didn't really think about it in terms of a tool to create more wealth. And so it was really, you know, having to go out and read a whole lot of books and try and mm. try and educate myself in terms of that long long-term stuff. Um, but I do worry, I do worry that there will be the next generation maybe, but then the generation after that will just take yep. a trust fund and blow yeah. it all on cocaine and yep. I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever's happening then. Whatever's happening at the time, there'll be something else better than that, I'm sure. But do you, uh, any, any advice for, uh, for how, to keep, how to keep the generations kind of cool with yeah, whatever well, you're building? Inter interesting stat, depending on, um, on which research you, you review and read, but uh, there's somewhere between 30 and $80 trillion globally that's set to transfer from the boomer generation through to the millennials. Um, so, you know, you, you did your own research in terms of finding books and bits and pieces, but we, we live in the age of the internet uh, where a lot of this financial literacy stuff is free. Uh, mm -hmm. PMG have just been hosting Tony Alexander around the country. And I can still tell you that the age of the people in the room are, you know, 50 plus. You know, where, where are the young people? It's a free seminar. Mm. Um, you know, so there's things like that. There's a lot of information out there. There is also a lot of noise. So you need to decide what you should read and what you can trust and what you should do. Yeah. Um, um, but 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 fundamentally, we, we've got this. Um, yeah, I think we've once almost a once in a lifetime opportunity now. If we don't start dealing with this in the next wee while, uh, that wealth is going to transfer. Mm. I made the comment comment to you earlier. Um, you know, as I see it right now, I would hope that it's going to be a fantastic time over the next couple of decades to be an investment advisor or a fund manager or someone in that industry. But I suspect, as it currently stands, it's going to be looked at as a lottery win by these beneficiaries and it's going to be much more beneficial or profitable to be a real estate agent selling batches, someone selling new cars and someone selling boats. Mm. And that's, that, that would look like it, that would be a blight on our society, really. We haven't achieved the goal if that's the case. All right, one because we're going to wrap it up, but that's a that's a pretty hard tone to kind of tie a, tie up into a nice little knot. 
Uh, but are you optimistic? Are you optimistic that we won't just end up buying super yachts, that we will make the changes <laughs> that we need to? Uh, yes. Yep. No, I am. Um, I think you know it's going to take a collective effort. I mentioned earlier that even a simple change in trust law recently has mm. has sort of meant that um, these old you know family trusts where you just protect the wealth you've created and you don't tell the beneficiaries anything until some stage you fall off your perch and it gets handed to them and they go, what do I do? Yeah. You know the changes to trust law recently where you actually have to bring beneficiaries along for the ride, hold an AGM. Um, now some people will disestablish their trust because they're old school and they don't want to educate the next generations. Um, I suspect those families will find that their wealth they've worked so hard to create will be gone two or three generations later. Um, but a simple legislative change like that can have quite massive effects on you know, the, the, the trusts that implement that properly. Um, now, not everyone's registering uh, or has a trust, um, so not everyone gets that same opportunity um, to change their, their behaviour around that stuff. But you know, it's one example of how you know, people can change... Uh, People can educate, uh, and it really needs to come from the family unit, mm. you know, in my mind. Um, and when you start talking about money at a much younger age, systems like banker in primary schools doing a really good job of basic stuff, um, but, but I still think the why is missing. You know, why do we have to think about this stuff? Why is it so important to, to be doing um, or, or transferring knowledge as well as wealth? Mm. Um, because it is going to be much harder for future generations to generate wealth for themselves. So, you know, we have a, an obligation in my mind mm. to preserve, take an income off it, yes, but preserve and grow and pass down. Preserve and grow and pass down. That's where we need to head. Brilliant. On that note, thank you very much. No worries. Thanks, mate. Okay, please. <laughs>